Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready? This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, folks? My Take Radio, episode 33. I'm your host, Rich, and this episode is for Thursday, March 4th, 2010. Tonight's music, The Omen of Geneva, is provided by ocremix.org. The artist is Neko Frog 1, N E K O Frog, the number one. The call in number, as always, is 347 324 3541. Little housekeeping to start things off as always. Uh, first off, a little guest announcement. Uh, next week, as a matter of fact, we will be joined by the crew from Darksiders. Uh, Hayden Dalton, I believe, is going to be coming back with Han Rondawa, maybe a couple of others. Um, not sure about all the details yet, but they will be back next week to discuss, of course, the very successful Darksiders game. And uh, with 1.1, I think it's 1.5 million units sold, definitely something that you're going to want to tune in for. They might even give us a little bit of information for Darksiders 2 and any other, any other projects that they're working on. So they will be joining us next week. Uh, for the 18th, I believe, if I'm correct, I will be joined then by the crew from Video Game News Radio. Um, right now it's kind of being finalized, but... Hopefully, I'll be joined by Kevin, Brian, Larry Mack, and even Tumbling with Tumbleweed's very own Don Anderson, who I know is in the chat, uh, will hopefully join in the, the festivities for the 18th. Also, for the 25th, there may not be a show that week. I'm not 100% sure. Um, if I do a show, it'll probably be that Wednesday, the 24th. I'll have you know a formal announcement regarding that during next week's broadcast just to iron things out. So definitely going to be a very cool month for uh, MPR. Um, also, of course, you go to the website, you see the ads. You know what to do. I'm not going to go into the details, obviously. And uh, we're going to – let's just leave it at that. Of course, the MyTake Radio forums are always active. If you haven't been there, you should definitely stop by. Um, Larry Mack from – VGN and Cleveland Sports Radio has been in there. He's been um, contributing to the MMA section of the forum, asking questions and just creating dialogue. So definitely uh, very appreciative of that. Um, if you're a fan of any of the stuff we talk about and just any, anything else that's not covered, definitely stop in the forum. You know, we talk TV, comics, collectibles, the works. There's even a little buy, sell, and trade forum that got set up for any people that have stuff to sell. They can interact with fellow listeners that may be interested in purchasing some of your stuff. Also, a couple of new posts on MyTakeRadio.com over the last few weeks. Um, Slick put up a review of Darksiders. If you haven't checked it out, I definitely recommend you do. Also, Josh put up a post. He did a post about 
sports entertainment and wrestling. Uh, fantastic post. I was very impressed, and I enjoyed it greatly. Um, usually a lot of the guys that post, they, you know, they give me an overview of what they're going to write about, but once it's written is when I see the finished product. And a lot of these guys that are working on the site, Slick, Bronx, Mortis, uh, my fiance, of course, Josh, they're, they're writing great stuff. So stop by, check it out, and if you like it, feel free to comment, share your thoughts on it. You know, it adds more to the, to the site, it adds more to the community, and your feedback is always appreciated. Uh, staff email addresses will go live hopefully this week once I get it all figured out, and you'll be able to email all the staff members directly. Also, for those of you that are fans of the show on Facebook, thanks a lot. I appreciate all the support. Um, we are officially four fans away from 100 fans. Um, if you're on there already, again, thank you. If you know someone who may like the offerings of the show, by all means, pass it along. Maybe they can help us break that goal by next week's broadcast. And um, with that, that's the housekeeping. Let's talk about some of tonight's topics. I'm going to go through the Strike Force Challenger series, a little recap of that, a couple of news on some of the upcoming UFC events, uh, lights out in the UFC. I'll tell you a little bit more about that. A couple of people from WWE got released this week. Um, some guest host news for Raw. Um, a special signing by TNA, which was conveniently or, in, or inadvertently leaked by Hulk Hogan. Sackboy from uh, Little Big Planet has a new home. A lot of heads rolled at Infinity Ward this week. We'll be talking about that. We're going to have some DC movie news. Max Steel is Stretch Armstrong. We're going to talk about that. And, of course, we're going to talk about some retro-based movie news and some other 3D madness that is slowly gripping the film industry. So with that, let's get into some MMA news first. Uh, first off, we'll start with the UFC. Versus is scheduled to air the countdown to UFC on Versus 1 after WEC 47 on March 6th. Definitely, if you have the Versus Network, tune in and catch the WEC broadcast. A lot of great talent fighting that night. And then hang out at 12.30 to catch a little bit of the countdown show for WEC on Versus. Overall, it's going to be a fantastic card on March 21st, with the main card being uh, John Bones Jones, fighting Brandon Vera. Junior Dos Santos is going to fight Gabriel Gonzaga, and Paul the Headhunter Buentello is going to be fighting Czech Congo. The preliminary card, the preliminary card excuse me, is uh, very good as well. You've got James Irvin fighting Alessio Sakara. You've got Spencer Fisher on that card, Clay Guida, Elliot Marshall, Vladimir Matyshenko, Brendan Schaub, just a, a great group of fighters fighting on that card. And for the UFC's debut on Versus, it's going to be completely solid from start to finish. Uh, moving on also in other UFC news, UFC 114 is slowly starting to take shape. That's going to be May 29th at the MGM Grand Arena in Vegas. Uh, the main card as of right now, rumored of course, is Rashad fighting Rampage. Forrest Griffin is going to be fighting Antonio Ruggiero Nogueira. Uh, Michael Bisping is going to fight Dan Miller. John Hathaway will be fighting Diego Sanchez. Dong Hyun Kim will be fighting Amir Sadala on the preliminary card, rumored thus far. Uh, Melvin Gallard will be on that card. Chris Lieben, Aaron Simpson, Dan Lazan, Ifrain Escudero, Lewis Kane, and uh, Jesse Forbes and Ryan Jensen are also rumored to be on that card. So overall, a great time to be an MMA fan. There's a lot of great cards coming up and definitely worth checking out. Also, props to Andre Olaski. The last time I spoke of Andre Olaski, there were rumors that he had uh, tried to commit suicide. He was in a very big slump, 
after his disappointing loss to Fedor. Nonetheless, you know, he did a uh, – it was recently announced on his website that he signed a multi-fight 16-month deal with Strikeforce. He is going to be fighting the former Elite XC heavyweight champion Antonio Silva in May. Of course, Arlovsky also didn't fare so well against Brett Rogers either when he was KO'd in 22 seconds in June, and he hasn't competed in MMA since. He has done a little bit of exhibition boxing, but overall it's definitely cool that the pit bull is coming back to strike force. Also, Gilbert Melendez versus Shinya Aoki will be taking place with strike force on CBS. That event is going to be broadcast April 17th. It's a solid card. I was really hoping Fedor was going to fight on that card, but they're saving his fight until May for some reason. Um, the specifics as to why, I don't know. But nonetheless, the card thus far looks really good. You have um, Dan Henderson in the middleweight title fight against Jake Shields. Um, Mohamed Lawal, King Mo, will be fighting Musasi. Uh, for the light heavyweight title. Shinya Aoki will be fighting Gilbert Melendez for the lightweight title. There's rumors that Herschel Walker and Bobby Lashley will both be on that card. It's still to be confirmed. And in keeping with Strikeforce, let's go into the Strikeforce Challenger Series that um, broadcasted on the 26th. Overall, great card from start to finish. If you have Showtime, definitely check out Strikeforce Challengers. It focuses on a lot of the up-and-coming fighters, um, a lot of those guys that, you know, you may not know of but are just great talents overall. The main event for that card was the women's welterweight title fight between Sarah Kaufman and Takeo Hashi. Overall, card was solid start to finish. Um, Rachel from MMA Hot Stuff's fiancé was scheduled to fight on that card. There was a little bit of an issue with the athletic commission, and the fight was scrapped. Nonetheless, the card from top to bottom was completely stacked. It was really great fights, and I also was introduced to a lot of good fighters from start to finish. Um, one, a couple of fights I'll just talk about briefly. Trevor Prangley versus uh, Carl Amasu was a great match. Um, there was a technical draw because of an eye poke in round one. It seems that uh, Prangley caught Amasu with, a, I believe it was a thumb in the eye, uh, the, the guy's eye was completely shut, and he was saying he can't see. So the doctor ended up stopping the fight. Um, the crowd, of course, it, you know, it's, it's fucked up. They were booing, and um, they couldn't continue the fight because the guy couldn't see. I have a feeling that uh, there will definitely be a rematch just because that was one of the fights I was looking forward to on the card. Uh, one of the middleweight fights also with Luke Rockhold and Paul Bradley was really good. Uh, Luke Rockhold ended up winning by TKO in round one uh, with a real solid performance, uh, a lot of knee, knees to the body in the clinch, um, got Rockhold the TKO. It was also announced that Rockhold will be appearing in EA Sports MMA game, which will be coming out later this year. So definitely props to him for his victory and also props for being in the new EA Sports MMA game. Also, the, uh, the women's title fight, solid five rounds, um, Sarah Kaufman won by unanimous decision. She um, she pretty much just had a dominating performance all five rounds. It really is one of those things where women's MMA is still in its infancy, and a lot of these female fighters, while they do practice and they do fight competitively, they're still 
you know, learning the tricks of the trade, so to speak, not, not in terms of, of fighting, but in terms of just making the fights interesting and learning how to utilize the cage and especially groundwork. I really haven't seen a lot of, a lot of uh, dominant groundwork in women's MMA. Most of the time it's just fantastic stand-up either with Muay Thai or um, great hands or a lot of use of the clinch. But definitely props to Kaufman for her performance. She ended up doing a really great job. And, of course, she is the new Strike Force women's welterweight champion. So overall, definitely solid. As I stated at the top of the broadcast, I was saying that Lights Out came to the UFC, and by Lights Out, it's James Lights Out Tony. He signed a multi-fight deal with the UFC. I'm a little bit hesitant about him being signed. He's 41 years old. He's a former professional boxer. He had a record of 72 wins and six losses. The guy's just devastating. He has devastating punching power. He had three draws and two no contests. There's no word yet on when he will make his debut in the UFC, but as of right now, rumors are going around that he will be fighting um, Kimbo Slice. Uh, Kimbo Slice is supposed to be fighting Matt Mitrione. Conveniently enough, that card, that fight was pulled from the UFC card. I don't know if they're going to go with Tony versus Slice. If they do... I'm hoping Kimbo has uh, worked on his ground game. That's the only way he's going to be successful because Tony has great stand-up, awesome punching power, and he can definitely put Kimbo Slice to sleep. So I would, uh, I would definitely not want to pick any, any of those guys in that fight because it can go either way with the punching power between those two. Of course, after the announcement was made, a lot of UFC heavyweights were questioned about James Tony signing. Um, here's some of the comments from some of those guys. Pat Barry responded, it's awesome. It just widens the pool of fighters. If it was up to me, I'd rather see someone get stung and knocked out versus submitted any day. If he hits you, you're going to get hurt. I'm looking forward to seeing him do damage if he can make the adjustment. Todd Duffy said, I think the UFC is going to make a lot of money. There are a lot of, of people in the UFC he stands to beat. Yeah, it kind of makes a mockery of the sport, but James Tony is a fighter. I definitely respect him. I think it's kind of being blown out of proportion. There's world champion jiu-jitsu players that fight in the UFC. You don't tell them, oh, my God, you're going to mixed martial arts. Are you sure about that? Which is true, and he, he made a very valid point with that. Paul Buentello said, I like the way he got the fight going. He got in Dana White's head. He's a warrior. I think he's a good fit. He's just true. He brought it all out there and called everybody out. I think his actions are showing what he wants to do. I, I honestly agree. I mean, a lot of the professional boxers always take the opportunity to shit on MMA either by saying that, you know, it's, it's not as competitive as boxing or they can do it, blah, blah, blah. Usually a lot, of, a lot of gums are being flapped and nobody's doing anything about it. I admire what Tony's doing in the sense that he feels he can transition well from professional boxing to MMA. I'm a little concerned about him doing it at 41 years old, but you know what? I expressed the same concerns with Herschel Walker, and he performed great. Randy Couture continues to perform consistently better every time he fights. So I can't even make the assumption that he's going to suck because he might do really well. Randy Couture actually um, posted on Twitter that he would like to fight James Tony. So it seems everybody's all of a sudden wanting to get their lights put out, no pun intended. Um, James Tony's going to be training with Juanito Ibarra. Juanito Ibarra trained Oscar De La Hoya as well as Quentin Rampage Jackson. It's definitely really cool. Juanito um, is known for doing a lot of great stand-up work. I think a lot of Rampage's boxing improved during his time with Ibarra, and I think James Tony's going to do just as good. And MMA Junkie actually broke that story, so it's pretty cool. 
Also, Dana White took the opportunity to confirm that UFC will be running an event on April 17th on Spike TV to compete against Strike Force on CBS. Um, there was a rumor that Vandalay was going to be fighting Yoshiro Akayama as the main event, but as of right now, it seems that the UFC is working on Matt Serra versus Mike Swick as the semi-main event. So either Strike Force is going to stay in the slot and compete against the UFC on the 17th, or they may move the show to the 24th and just compete against the WEC on pay-per-view. So overall, definitely a solid month for MMA fans, the month of March and the month of April. Um, one thing in particular that I am looking forward to is the start of The Ultimate Fighter. Um, there will be a trailer as well as a little bit of a brief post from me later this evening or tomorrow about the upcoming Ultimate Fighter season, which debuts March 31st, I believe right after Ultimate Fight Night. So if you're looking forward to that, put that on your calendar. March 31st is the day that the Ultimate Fighter returns back to broadcast television. Well, it returns back to cable television, I should say. With that being said, we're going to talk some wrestling right after this commercial break. I wonder what's on tonight, even. Tonight at 10 on your local news. I said to Jesus, Jesus, can you say this is the deal of the century, people? I'm telling you. So, Jason, uh, what, what, I mean, what, what are we doing tonight? Tumbling with Tumbleweed, Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. BlogTalkRadio.com, Eastern Standard Time. Do you even know? Jason? Jason, are you there? All right, and we're back. You can catch Don Anderson on Tumbling with Tumbleweed Tuesdays at 10 p.m. on the Blog Talk Radio Network. With that said, let's talk some wrestling. First off, I'd like to send my condolences to Randy Savage and uh, Leaping Lanny Poffo, or the genius as he was known as during his WWF days. It seems that his father ended up passing away today. Um, I believe he was 70 years old. Um, of course, he's the father of both Lanny Poffo and Randy Savage, so definitely my condolences to their family um, in the passing. So for those of you that um, are familiar, you know who Randy Savage is. Uh, the genius, um, he wrestled, wow, I believe it was in 87 or 88. It was pretty crazy that uh, it's just sudden, just because the guy is not, not a guy too many people know about, but he was you know, a former professional wrestler, and he was also a promoter for the ICW, so... Definitely unfortunate, but, you know, I mean, I think it was 70 years old. I don't have the, the age that it was, but he was definitely up there in the years, and his health had been declining, so that's what happens, folks. Also, in keeping with the tone, unfortunately, of wrestlers passing away, it seems that uh, it's finally been discovered what caused the death of Eddie Umaga Fatu, who passed away on December 4th. It seems that his death was caused by toxicity of the combined effects of hydrocodone, um, carisoprodol or soma, and, di and dizepam, which is Valium. Now, they're not saying that he OD'd on the stuff. It just seems that it was just a lethal combination of all three pills together. It's, it's strange just because he had a previous history of substance abuse problems, and a lot of people, of course, automatically jump to the fact that he OD'd on the medication. But as it turns out, it seems that it was just a lethal mixture of these medications that caused his passing. So it puts the rumors to rest that um, he ended up taking the stuff himself and killing himself, so to speak. Well, I mean, 
I'm really glad to find out that that happened. I I was really bugged out that nobody discussed it after his passing. There was never any reports, but um, Wrestling Babylon's Irv Mushnick ended up breaking the story and posting that, so definitely props to him for that, because I definitely was curious. I was always tired of hearing that a lot of these wrestlers end up passing away just from, you know, committing suicide or drug overdose, so while it is unfortunate he passed, at least it wasn't something that he brought upon himself. Nonetheless, moving on, um, Awesome Kong, of course, hasn't been seen on TV since the event that happened between her and Bubba the Love Sponge. Right after her whooping Bubba's ass, um, she disappeared, of course, from TV. She was yanked, and then it seems that she was filing a lawsuit against Bubba due to receiving a threatening phone call. It seems that as of right now, based on a Twitter post that she puts up, she is no longer with TNA. That's still debated because uh, one of the officials from TNA declined to comment on her status. So as of right now, it seems that she is officially with the company, but it's not 100%. Now, a little bit of Monday Night Raw news. Monday Night Raw came and went this week, you know, setting up the road to WrestleMania. The hosts were Cheech and Chong. Overall, it wasn't the worst Raw ever. There was definitely a lot of movement, a lot of stuff being built up for the main Wrestlema- for the main event for WrestleMania. You know, Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker started getting set up. John Cena and Batista, Bret Hart versus Vince McMahon. All of it started to take shape with this week's broadcast. And it's going to speed up now, and probably it's going to start being a lot of really good TV, especially March 8th when TNA debuts on Monday nights. It's going to be really interesting to see what Raw is going to have up its sleeve to counter the TNA programming. As of right now, March 8th, Raw is going to be hosted by magician Chris Angel. So I don't know if that's what they expected to help them compete, but... I definitely see a lot of cheap magic and shitty sight gags being used. March 15th is going to, of course, be hosted by Stone Cold Steve Austin. March 22nd, Pete Rose is going to be hosting Monday Night Raw. Odds are that Pete Rose is somehow going to get into an altercation with Kane, and he will end up being Tombstone like he always does. On March 29th, the cast of the Hot Tub Time Machine will be hosting Raw. I don't know how well that will play out, but there's definitely definitely a lot of great comedians in that movie, so it should translate well. We'll see what happens. In staying with that and March 8th, it seems that Hulk Hogan inadvertently let the cat out of the bag in a recent radio interview he did here in New York, and in discussing um, TNA's move to Mondays, he was saying that, you know, there's going to be a lot of surprises and special, uh, special things being done, but there's also going to be debuts of a lot of talent. As such, some of the studio cameras, when he said that there was going to be a de- the new debut of talent, um, caught him doing the motions of the one and only Rob Van Dam. So it seems that by him doing that, he pretty much gave up the goods that Rob Van Dam will probably be debuting uh, Monday when TNA goes live against Monday Night Raw. So definitely Van Dam being involved is great for TNA. He's a great wrestler, and the potential for great mass- matches has increased and I'm willing to look past some of the fuckery of TNA to see Rob Van Dam wrestle. So definitely props to them for that acquisition. Um, I definitely think they're going to do good against Chris Angel, March 8th, as guest host. The only things that seem to be in their favor are some of the matches. Mr. McMahon is supposedly going to be fighting John Cena in a one-on-one match, which 
is going to be utter horse shit because everybody knows there's going to be some sort of a run-in. Um, in addition to that, Randy Orton's going to be fighting Legacy in a handicap match. Everybody knows how that's going to end. Probably one of them is going to end up turning on the other and siding with Randy Orton. So we'll see how it goes on March 8th. We'll see what happens, whether TNA beats WWE in the ratings or WWE continues to crush TNA in all aspects of programming. Um, moving on, WWE let go of a couple of talents this week. Uh, referee Scott, Arm- Scott Armstrong got the boot. Uh, Maria who everybody assumed was going to be around for a while, and especially with her recent appearance on The Apprentice, figured that she would be a shoo-in to hang out for a while, maybe even a little bit of a women's title run. Unfortunately, it seems that Maria got the boot as well. Uh, The Hurricane, Gregory Helms, also got the boot, um, partly, I think, because of the involvement with his situation with Chris Jericho, with the drinking and the arrest. I don't think that definitely helped him either, um, Paul Burchill also got released. Great wrestler. I don't know why they dropped the ball with him. I definitely can see him in TNA in the near future, as do I see Gregory Helms there as well, especially with Shannon Moore and Jeff Hardy being in TNA. Uh, the Hurricane is a shoe-in for appearing there as well. And last but not least, Charlie Haas finally got cut loose. Um, Charlie Haas is a very underrated athlete. He's a great wrestler. Um, his best work was when him and Shelton Benjamin were the world's greatest tag team. It's very unfortunate that it went down the way it did, but once again, he's another guy that I definitely see making his mark in TNA in the near future. All right, that's going to wrap up the wrestling news, and we are going to head into some video game news right after this. It's BornStubborn.com. We're just over here chilling. It's all fun and games. BornStubborn.com. Come on over and check it out. Show me to the Pontinis. The, I was going to mention the Pontinis. <laughs> Explain the Pontinis to people that don't know. It's a very delicious drink, but we must warn all the men. Because should you take one sip of it, your penis will fall off. It is gay. What well, are you, gay? Blueberry, pomegranate, vodka shit that might as well have been Kool-Aid. I had a sip of it, and my balls kind of shrunk a bit. <laughs> Lane, you're not considering drinking said Pomptini, are you? Uh, I probably won't. I like whiskey. Oh, I love whiskey. BowlingStubborn.com. In your face at least once a week. Movies, sports, music, video games, and hell. We'll just tell some fucked up stories. Why not? So if the only alcoholic beverage in the house was a palmtini when you came over, would you have a palmtini? I'd have a palmtini. See? Yeah. What are you, gay? All right, and we're back. Let's talk some video game news. First off, um, Heavy Rain, which a lot of people were expecting to not do well out of the gate, seems that it did pretty good in... UK sales charts already. The PS3 exclusive is only second since Killzone 2 to be number one in the UK. Um, it beat out the newly released Aliens vs. Predator and is number one in the UK this month. Heavy Rain, Aliens vs. Predator, Just Dance was number three, We Fit Plus, and Modern Warfare 2 were your top five games in the UK. Definitely props to Heavy Rain just for it being a very unique game, which isn't for everybody. Um, it seems that people tell me that I should check it out, but 
to definitely play it with an open mind because it's not something I'm I regularly play. I'm definitely going to check it out. I added it to my GameFly queue. It definitely shows a long wait, but um, I'm going to play it. I, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm I don't see it as a game I would really go and drop sixty bucks on. That, that that's just my my opinion. A lot of people say, oh, but it's really good and blah blah blah. It, no, not not good enough for me to run out and drop sixty bones on it. Nonetheless, definitely props to them for doing their due and putting out a solid game that seems to have grown and developed quite a following. I mean, I see people in the chat saying that it's a good game. So, you know, definitely something that I, I will be renting in the near future. And, hell, I may even review. We'll see what happens. Of course, as I said at the top of this week's broadcast, heads rolled at um, Activision and Infinity Ward this week. It seems that there's been a lot of... Um, insubordination from the Infinity Ward crew towards Activision and Activision responded by giving people the boot or and or forcing people to quit. Take it how you will. It seems that um, Infinity Ward head Vince Zampella left the company recently. He actually changed his LinkedIn page to show that the position was a past job. He joins Jason West as the second person who was let go of the company. And, you know, it, it was very surprising considering that those two guys were pretty high up, but, the, you know, you're going against Activision, and based on what happened here, Activision revealed that the future of the Call of Duty franchise is going to be put in the hands of Treyarch. They're going to develop the next entry that we'll be releasing in the fall. Um, I don't think it's going to be Modern Warfare related. I think it's going to go back to the whole Call of Duty thing in terms of just probably World War II or something to that extent. Um, they will be releasing map packs, two of them as a matter of fact, for Modern Warfare 2 with, uh, within the near, I, I guess within six months according to what I'm reading here. They're saying later this year, but if they're going to be releasing a new Call of Duty game in the fall, they definitely don't want to cannibalize the sales of the downloadable content. So seems Infinity Ward is in a bit of a jam right now. I honestly feel that, you know, I know Activision is the parent company, but you have to take into account that Infinity Ward is a cash cow for you guys. And, and while I understand that there's going to be egos and there's going to be insubordination and there's going to be shit talking, you have to take into account that at the end of the day, the bottom line is money. And sometimes it's better to deal with the people that put money in your pocket than entrusting a franchise into, not to say that Treyarch isn't good, but it's better to deal with the guys that are consistently putting millions and millions of dollars in your pocket. So it's definitely uh, an interesting time for Activision and for Infinity Ward, and I will be keeping an eye on it in the, in, in the coming weeks. Also, of course, last week I talked about Final Fantasy XIII's uh, 360 bundle, and I also discussed it when we had the, late, the young ladies from Girl Gamer on, but it gets better. It seems that Splinter Cell Conviction will be getting its own bundle as well. The package is going to run you 400 bucks. You're going to get two wireless controllers, and of course, as I said, the uh, 250 gig hard drive along with a standard copy of the game. The system is going to be black. It won't have a, any kind of a unique paint job, but it continues to reinforce the fact that the 250 gig hard drive will be the standard and it will probably be released standalone in the near future and probably cost an arm and a leg. 
Um, IGN.com recently reported that Sony Computer Entertainment has announced that they plan to purchase UK developer Media Molecule. Um, of course, they stated, since they burst onto the gaming scene, Media Molecule has proved to be a truly exciting and innovative studio who have proved their world-class credentials with the creation of the incredible Little Big Planet, says Shusei Yuhita of uh, Sony Computer Entertainment's Worldwide Studios. Actually, I pronounced his name wrong. It's Shuhei Yoshida. Um, Sony Computer Entertainment is all about creating ambitious, innovative, and groundbreaking games, traits that Media Molecule clearly have. To bring them into our family proves our dedication to creating fantastic new experiences that we believe will cement our position as industry leaders. I think that for Media Molecule, it's really great. One of the things that I like to see is to see the little guys actually get not scooped up, but definitely it enveloped into into the bigger companies, not because of the fact that it, they I, don't get me wrong, they risk getting fired or replaced, but in the same instance, it adds a a, a bit of stability and it adds big money behind something. Um, you you look at a game like Little Big Planet, which is so unique, so fun, and so innovative, and you realize that these guys have a lot of creativity, they have a lot of great ideas, and on top of the fact, they have very great imaginations because the whole concept of Little Big Planet from start to finish is very unique. And much like the way Warner Brothers purchased Rocksteady, you have to definitely keep those closest to you that generate money, and Media Molecule has made a lot of money for Sony with Little Big Planet, with downloadable content, with um, additional skins. It, it, the plethora of money that's been tossed out just for Little Big Planet is staggering. I'd actually like to find some numbers just to see how much revenue Little Big Planet has generated in terms of uh, downloadable content and, and video game sales as a whole. So definitely props to them for sure. Um, I'm actually really happy about that. And, it just adds reinforcement to the fact that the next little big planet is going to be great and it's going to have a lot more money behind it and it's probably going to have more innovation, hopefully not too much to the point where it takes away the, the creativity and the innocence of the first game because, honestly, I play little big planet. I find it very therapeutic. I play that shit when I'm having the most miserable day, which usually involves me wanting to bust somebody in the face. Um... Nonetheless, definitely something that I am excited about. Bungie took the opportunity this week to release a new trailer showing off some of the multiplayer action for Halo Reach. Um, I got to check out the trailer earlier. It looks really good. I'll probably post it up in the post-show post. Um, the trailer shows a lot of really cool stuff like assassinations, jetpack combat, which looks really cool. Um, there's also a new thing which I kind of noticed which allows you to roll while you're running. So that's definitely going to change a bit of the gameplay. There's no more... Um, there's no more run and gun. There's actually a little bit more strategy, and I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how the role is going to be implemented, especially in online combat where you've got 40 or 50 people shooting at you. For those of you that are in the chat and for fans of the show that are fans of the game's Borderlands, um, there will be more content coming out within the next few months. Um, of course, recently the one that came out was the Secret Army, the Secret Armory of General Knox. Uh, Take Two CEO Brian Fetter confirmed today that there is more content on the way. Um, he stated that during the company's quarterly financial earnings call. He said that the latest content has been the highest scoring in the series. Um, he went on to say, along with Gearbox senior designer Paul Helquist, that there would be smaller 
things that are going to cost a little bit less, and there's also going to be smaller potluck that will be put out shortly. So definitely, for those of you that are playing Borderlands, hold on to it because you'll be able to add some more downloadable content and add a little bit of longevity to the gameplay. Any of you guys that are hockey fans, you're getting fucked. Straight and simple. It seems that according to Joystick, Take-Two is taking the year off in terms of releasing the latest, NHL co- the latest NHL title for the 360 or the PS3. Do you guys know how you're going to be able to play this game, the next NHL game? It will only be released on the Wii. According to Activision, they're looking to reevaluate their NHL strategy and will only be releasing NHL 2K11 for the Wii in fiscal year 2010. We want to become a stronger competitor in this category and taking a year off on PS3 and 360 while focusing on making the best possible game for the Wii should allow us to accomplish that goal. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't play hockey games. Not something I do. But it's... In a way, I I admire what they're doing and the balls of what they're doing because of the fact that they are putting the effort into making the Wii port as good as possible. On the other hand, I also think that the 360 and PS3 ports with the year off better be the greatest hockey games ever. That's how I see it. I mean, on one hand, I admire that they're focusing all their energies on the Wii and trying to help that console and the sports games for that console. On the other hand, though, for those of you that are playing next-generation systems, you know, on live or on the PlayStation Network where the multiplayer is most plentiful, you guys are getting screwed. So I definitely can understand the plight of hockey fans that play the NHL 2K series and uh, better hold on till 2011, guys. Otherwise, um, if you feel very strongly about it, definitely... Let Activision know. Moving on. It was recently announced that Microsoft was going to be discontinuing Xbox Live support for classic games starting April 15th. Primarily, the one that frustrated people the most was those that continue to play Halo 2 on Xbox Live. Microsoft, of course, looking to make good, is going to be offering some sweet things to kind of soften the blow a little bit. They're going to give Halo 2 players... Uh, three months of Xbox Live Gold. They will also be receiving $5 ooh, in Microsoft points, and they will be releasing, uh, they will be entitled to an invite for the Halo Reach beta, which starts May 3rd. So those of you that are still out there playing Halo 2, eh, you're going to get a little, a little bit of a reward. Of course, Apple comes out with something great. Everybody wants to duplicate it or do something close to it. Amazon came out with the Kindle. Apple came out with the iPad. Now it seems Sony wants to get in on the action. According to the Wall Street Journal, uh, Sony's working on something to compete against the iPhone as well as the iPad with a PlayStation portable phone. Um, As of right now, they want to do something along the lines of a PSP phone similar to what Microsoft is doing with the Zune phone. Um, They're not going to be doing it with Sony Ericsson. There's conflicting reports of that. They're also talking about doing something from the tablet standpoint that would integrate into the PlayStation brand ecosystem um, to combine the netbook, e-reader, and possibly PlayStation Portable, and it will be a direct competitor for the iPad. I actually think that Sony is really grasping at straws by doing that. I mean, 
you know, Nokia tried the whole video game phone thing with the N-Gage, and it blew up in their face. I mean, Microsoft is going to be doing something with the Zune, but they're going to build it more so on the Windows mobile platform, and there'll probably be some Xbox functionality in there and Zune functionality, but it's not marketed as an Xbox phone or a Zune phone, unless they, they, they call it that on the basis of sharing the similar design cues. I actually think that the, the best part that Sony has is that they have a way to integrate all these devices together, much like the PSP and the PS3. Um, definitely a, tab inter, uh, a tablet interface would be cool, because if you download the stuff from the PlayStation Network store, and it's on your PS3, and you can access it for, via Wi-Fi or via 3G data networks, you'll be able to play, you know, games that you have on your PS3 or on your PSP on this tablet. Um, I don't know about control functionality, but definitely um, having the PS3 feed media to the tablet would be interesting, and I'd definitely like to see what Sony has in the pipe. But unless it's competitively priced and offers something totally unique to the iPad experience, they're in deep trouble, especially if they're coming into the game so late. Nonetheless, I wish them the best of luck. With that, we're going to take another commercial break, and we are going to head into the movie news. And boy, is there a lot of shit you guys are going to want to hear about. We'll get into that right after the break. This is Larry OG of video game music site OCRemix.org. Keep it locked to rich with real talk on gaming, movies, technology, pro wrestling, and mixed martial arts. This is My Take Radio. Definitely. I hadn't even listened to that from OC Remix. That's uh, pretty fucking cool. I was hoping he would promote their site instead of promoting the show, but um, definitely cool indeed. I'm going to have to get in contact with him and have him change that, but definitely cool. Let's talk about some movies. First off, a lot of stuff going on in the DC Universe with some of their new projects. Um, there's a couple of things that IESB put up recently that um, should be of interest. Um, right now, the guy who is uh, co-producing and writing Green Lantern is the front runner for directing the Flash film. Um, there's rumors that uh, Ryan Reynolds would be playing the Flash, but of course he ended up playing Green Lantern. But you never know. The guy's getting a lot of work lately, so he may play the Flash as well. Um, last week, I discussed Jonah Nolan is going to be co-writing Superman, The Man of Steel with David Goyer. Um, there's also rumors that he, need, that he may be also directing the film. Uh, Jonah Nolan's brother, Christopher Nolan, is executive producing uh, The Man of Steel, and Jonah Nolan and David Goyer are writing the next Batman film, which, of course, Chris Nolan is directing. Now, there's a rumor that Chris Nolan will be directing the Justice League movie after Superman, and the involvement of all these guys is going to lead to little hints and acknowledgments in Superman of Batman, as well as of Batman of the Superman universe. And, of course, it's going to lead up to the Justice League movie. I definitely think that keeping it between these guys, Nolan has done such a great job with Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, and his involvement with Superman gives a little bit of light to, uh, at the end of the tunnel for, for the fail that has been Superman, the Superman franchise after the reboot. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, the Christopher Reeve Superman movies were great. They've come and gone. They've aged well. 
and I, I admire the necessity to bring Superman to the mainstream, um, make it modern, make it fresh. But I definitely think that Nolan's involvement is good. I just feel that he may get burned out because the third Batman movie has to outdo the Dark Knight in astronomical portions. It has to outdo it in terms of acting, villains, uh, special effects, um, fights, storyline. It has to be three times better. The Dark Knight right now is like the measuring stick for every superhero movie that comes out in terms of keeping you know, a, a more true-to-life and gritty feel to it, as well as the quote-unquote dark aura, which is, you know, it seems every movie wants to go dark like the Dark Knight and, you know, be more visceral, more graphic. I think that the involvement of these guys is going to make the Superman movie good and the possibility of a Justice League movie a reality. Now, a couple of questions are raised. Are they going to make a Justice League movie with both the with Christian Bale as Batman and another lead actor as Superman from the Superman franchise? Or are they going to do a Justice League movie and recast all those roles with new actors? It's definitely interesting because I don't think that Christian Bale is signed on for more than possibly a third Batman. I don't think he'd do a Justice League project, but you never know if the storyline is engaging and the and the plot is good and the money is guaranteed and the success is there. I could definitely see Christian Bale doing a Justice League film. As long as he doesn't talk with that stupid fucking Clint Eastwood voice, everything will be okay. Um, earlier in the broadcast, I talked about uh, Stretch Armstrong and Max Steel. It seems that Taylor Lautner from Twilight, who was supposed to be playing Max Steel, ended up dropping the Max Steel project to jump on board to play Stretch Armstrong. So the kid goes from one piece of shit fail project to another. More power to you, kid. More power to you. He also turned down a lead for a 3D version of the Three Musketeers. <sighs> why, why is this kid doing it to himself? He's young, he's successful, and he's going to play some of the worst shit ever. With that said, looks like we got our first call, and it's slick. Sir, you're on the line. What's up, man? What's going on? Not much. Uh, <clears throat> I just wanted to talk about these upcoming DC movies and how well, I see what I think, where I think things need to go to keep it interesting. All right. What do you got? The last batch of Batman movies started off decent, and then, as we all know, just went to shit. Correct. What I, aside from just having horrible costumes, horrible actors, and horrible storylines, I think the problem with the, the Batman movies were that they just really tried to go too far over the top. They tried to have feelings that were too big for the, the big screen, so to say. And how so? I mean, elaborate. Hold on, not to cut you off, but elaborate on that on how the villains were were too big for the big screen. I mean, but it, before I give you a, a chance to explain, I actually think that the villains in the Batman films got progressively worse. Oh no, in, in the, no that, but that's what, that's what I mean. It's like 
you had you had Batman Forever, which had Bane and Poison Ivy. And let's just look at a, a less realistic scene to see to try to talk, illustrate what I'm talking about. Let's take Arkham Asylum, which had both of these characters. Right. Poison Ivy had freaking vines almost destroy the entire island. They almost took over Gotham City. That's correct. Bane, Bane was so fucking big, he had to be hit by the Batmobile going at 80 miles an hour to take his ass out. Right. But These are characters gotta... that are not going to translate well to the, the, the big screen because, A, you need a shitload of CG just to really do them well, and B, you have Batman, who is a human character, period. I mean, yes, he does fight these characters and beat them in the comic books, but that's in the comic books. The well, new movies... Go ahead, go ahead. No, what I was going to say was, while, while I understand the, the, the validity of your explanation, and, and I do agree to some extent, you have to look at it like this. When you look at all these characters, it's all about representation storytelling and acting ability if when Heath Ledger was announced as the Joker I swore that the Batman movie was going to fucking suck I did because at first glance I said I tell you Heath Ledger you think Brokeback Mountain you think 10 things 10 things I hate about you you think um the, the movie where he played the knight you know you think of movies where he was totally not that type of a character and he did a complete 180 and, and created a, one of the most memorable characters in, in recent memory. I mean, I'm more than sure people will agree or disagree in terms of the, his portrayal of the Joker. But the, fa the fact of the matter is, let's take a third Batman movie. Let, let's go that route. In keeping with the realistic tone, if you, if you use more of an Arkham Asylum setting and you make of your villains, let's say the Riddler and... I don't know. Let, let let's go let's go crazy and put Catwoman in there. Catwoman serves dual purpose as your love interest and as your quote unquote villain. The Riddler, if done correctly, can be on a similar level as the Joker, just more serious as opposed to more sadistic. But it can be done. You know, it's the same thing with Poison Ivy. Poison Ivy can be translated into the into the, the newer Batman mythology. It just can't be fucking nuts, you know? But it can be done. Now, a guy like Killer Croc is fitting, but his screen time needs to be kept minimal. You know, you can go that you can go really, really low budget and throw Mr. Zazz in there or or hush. There's a couple of different ways you can go with it, but it's all about acting ability, and storyline. You know, fuck, you can even put the Penguin in the new one. And, and if it's the right acting, the right story, and, and just the right dose of, of, of great acting, it'll work. That, that's what separates this new crop of Batman films from the old ones. Well, I, I'm agreeing with you on that, but I'm just trying to tell you what I meant. Like, the, let's look at the the last the the old set of Batman movies and the ones that worked, which were Batman and Batman Returns. Right, you had the, the Joker. Best ones. You had the Joker. You had the Penguin, and you had Catwoman. Right. Very, very important Batman characters, but also in terms of 
their abilities and things like that. Very simple Batman characters, very human Batman characters. When you keep it like that, you go into the meat of Batman. You can make a very psychological movie, and that's part of why um, The Dark Knight was so good, because you had just a basic human character, no superpowers, no super strength, no freakish looks or anything like that, and you just had a psychological movie, and that's why the movie works. So having a character like the Riddler, that's the way to go for Batman. Now, for Superman, it's the opposite. The thing okay. is that Lex Luthor's been done to death. Lex Luthor right. was in all four of the original Superman movies, and he was in the remake. Right. It's time but to move I, away from Lex Luthor. Well, right now it's the plan. Have... Right now the plan is to go with Lex Luthor and bring in Brainiac, which is fitting because Brainiac is usually the number two villain in a lot of the Superman stories. That's where it's going to go. That's what I'm saying. With Superman, it's time to make movies that are more over the top simply because it's Superman. Right. We don't want a boring psych... Well, I'm not trying to say Batman is boring. We don't want a psychological movie for Superman. We want Superman doing what he does best, not holding back, freaking using his powers, and beating the shit out of somebody. Because ultimately... The fight scene is what's going to sell a Superman movie these days. You need Superman fighting a Mongol. You need Superman fighting... I'm not going to say Doomsday because that's just too much right now. No, no, no. No, this is, this is how I see it. And, and b- before you finish, I'll, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to let you finish. But the fact is, when you look at the Superman movies... The, the Superman is more psychological than Batman. The problem is that nobody can grasp that concept. You've got to look at it like this. Superman is always, always going to be fighting for his humanity because the whole thing focuses on the guy living two separate lives. It's like you're a nerd and, a, and, and just an overall nobody in your real life, and, and yet you have the potential for greatness, and that's where, you know, you can kind of play on that, and there, there's a definite engaging story there. But, of course, you've got to also throw in things like, you can throw in Lex Luthor and Bizarro. That alone, you can, can make a good Superman movie. You can do Lex Luthor and Brainiac. You can make a good movie out of that. You can even cast the shadow of Darkseid if you want to go setting up the Justice League movie, which we had discussed. You can go a couple of routes, but you have to take into account that Superman's overall – Superman is just as fucked up as Batman. It's just that nobody's ever scratched that surface except the comics. I mean, if you look at All-Star Superman, which was one of the better Superman books to come out in a long time, it did focus on that. It focused on him trying to balance out his, his, you know, his dual roles on top of the fact that when he was Clark Kent – he, he changed the way he walked. He changed his posture so that he could be a schlep. Imagine you walking around forcing yourself to be someone you're not when you have the potential to crush somebody's head like a vice. You know, there's, there's, there's great engaging stories there. It's just the fact that nobody's ever been able to grasp or, or just understand the concept of bringing it to life. And I think Nolan has a good idea. He did a great job showing Batman as being tortured. 
and as you know, trying to live his life as a playboy, but also live his life as a guy who fights for the pursuit of justice. Two totally separate things, you know? Yeah, um, the scene in begins where he basically pretended to be drunk and told basically everybody to get the fuck out. That was, I like that scene. That's what I'm saying, but that's what you need. You need uh, 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 meat and potatoes for a story. You need to engage the audience. And if you want to do it with a Superman movie, you do need the big sell. You need the big fights, the cool special effects. But on top of the fact, you need to tell a story that hasn't been told before. We all know, yes, Superman saves Lois Lane in every fucking movie. We get that. We know that. It happens in every movie. Oh, help me, help me. All right, let me fly off and do that. We've seen that. You have to go beyond that. And, you know, the, when they did Superman Returns, they tried to go that direction, but they went, yeah, they, went way too, they went way too much to the left with the Super Baby and Emo Superman and a Kryptonite planet and... Just, they, they went way too nuts, but they did do a lot of great special effects. And, of course, they had to throw in the, oh, my God, save me, Superman. And, you know, he grabbed a plane, and that was, like, the coolest part of that movie. Which, unfortunately, was way too early. Yep. Yeah, I mean... But we could, like, beat this, we could beat this up the whole night. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you finish so we can move on. All right, I'm just saying... There was, I think, if it wasn't the very last, it was one of the last episodes of the Justice League series on Cartoon Network, five minutes were better than all of Superman Returns because you had five minutes where Superman was fighting Darkseid. Darkseid started to beat the shit out of him, and then Superman went completely completely blacked out and started beating the life out of Darkseid. And while he's doing this, he's basically complaining to Darkseid about how good it feels to beat the shit out of him right now because he can finally let go. Exactly. He's complaining you know that when he fights normal guys, he has to hold back because, with a flip, like you said, with a flick of his finger, he could kill somebody. And that's what people need to focus on. You see, you stating that, you cited a perfect example. You cited a, a, a perfect example of what people are missing. You're, it, it, it's, it's like you're walking around being the most powerful guy in the world. It has to be depressing. There has to be – just imagine all that power, and, there, and it's like if I had that kind of power, I'd have a fuckload of money, you know? And it's things like that, that you know, the, the juggling of the responsibilities. You can do a lot of shit with that, but – it's just it's just about delivery, and you can't go too deep because then you'll lose a lot of your audience as well. True, true enough. But I shall let you continue, sir, since we've dwelled on this for quite a while. All right, sir. Um, we're going to move on, and uh, thanks for your call. No problem, man. Talk to you later. All right. All right. Thanks. All right. The concept of a Justice League movie from start to finish looks very promising, and I honestly think that it'll do well. It's just all about really good writing. And like I said, I think Nolan, Nolan is on to something. I think Nolan can do a really good job. And his involvement, you know, DC and Warner Brothers aren't stupid, and they realize that this guy knows how to capture the essence of our books and give some, some life to our characters on, on, a, on a human scale. You know, he humanizes them. He gives you, you know, different depths of character. 
and I think DC is going in the right direction. I mean, Marvel's doing the same thing with Iron Man, with Thor, with Captain America. The big payoff is the Avengers. DC's doing the same thing. I mean, I, you can't bitch at DC for the same shit that Marvel's doing. Marvel's doing the same setup. DC's just doing it, but they're keeping a guy that knows how to do it for all of them instead of having different guys direct these projects. With that being said, um, before we move on, we will take our next caller. You're on the air. Hey, it's Hyena. Hey, man, what's going on? Nothing much. Uh, I'd probably call in the right, wrong time. Got that happens. It's all right. But you hop back. You, what do you got? Did you experience that PSN incident that happened a couple of days ago? I did not experience it, and it is because um, I've been in the process of building new hardware to broadcast this show. So um, uh, I was offline, but I was aware of it. Bronx made me aware of the situation, and um, I, I took the opportunity and did a lot of reading about it just because I wanted to know the specifics. I know that they were telling you not to turn on, turn on your consoles and that the error was based on the, um, the March 1st date and the issue with that. Um, I think that, you know, Sony handled it well. I just think that a lot of people got burned in the process losing achievements and trophies. How did it affect yeah. you? Actually, I, I got scared, man. Like, 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 I mean, like, I have a fatty. I have a fatty three. So do I. I no, huh? So do I. <laughs> yeah, so, like, I, I mean, like, I, you know, I, I, I didn't jump on. Like, I usually check, you know, gaming news every day, and everyone's saying, like, you know, PSN is down, do not go online. And I'm like, that's kind of interesting, you know. And, you know, like, for what, what, what caught my attention is, like, even, like, these single-player games, you couldn't, even play, you couldn't even play. Well, I mean, like, for us that have fatties, I mean, we couldn't yep. even play, like, let's say, like, like, people that were trying to play, like, Heavy Rain, they couldn't even play it, even though it didn't require you being on PSN or, or uh, you know, having any online gameplay. Yeah, it is unfortunate. I heard about the the heavy rain issue. I didn't hear about it till later on in the day, because a lot of people were tell, were you know that I knew that owned the uh, the chubby. They were like, oh yeah, you know it's just the online shit, blah blah blah. I've been playing all the other single player stuff, but then later on in the day, a couple of a couple of people I know were like, dude, I can't play. You know, I got I know one kid. He's playing Darksiders. He's like, dude, I can't I can't play it. It's not letting. It's not loading. I'm like, did it, did it fry your system? He's like, I don't know, man. But he's like, then when it came on, he noticed that his uh, his trophy score was a little off, mm-hmm. and a couple of things. And he he was he wasn't too happy. That's for sure. But I told him, I'm like, look, I'd rather take trophies that disappear that no one sees. Because let's be honest, it's not like Xbox Live where your gamer score you can put it anywhere. You could probably you could probably put it on toilet paper and put the roll in the bathroom for people to see. That's how ridiculous it's gotten. Like the PS3 achievements, they're great and all, but it's no big deal. The only place I think I've seen achievements are yours on Facebook. You can't publish them anywhere else, so who's going to give a shit? So what? You lost three trophies. Now, if it would have bricked my system, I- I'd be I'd be whooping Kaz Harai's ass right now. <laughs> yeah. I was afraid of that, too. Like, I mean, like, especially, like, you know, they're saying, like, the internal clock is all wonky and whatnot. I, I, I mean, like, that's the only reason, you know, no offense to you 360 users, but, you know, the only reason why I got the PS3, because, you know, I pay what I get for. 
you know, I don't have to like send it in, get it repaired, and you know, have you pay to wait. for quality. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. So, and what, what what was interesting was like all the slims had none. Like they didn't even go through that. Like a lot of slims had not gotten that issue. So I was kind of thinking, I was like, okay, if all the slims had that issue, maybe Sony did foresee this. Maybe they knew that you know the the chubbies, fatties. Big ones, whatever you want to call them, <laughs> did have that internal clock issue. But when they started to manufacture the slims, they switched it up without telling anyone. They probably yep. had it like in the, like you know, like coming from a manufacturing background, they probably had it like on their to-do list, but it wasn't that yep. big of an issue until you know it happened. I guarantee you that that issue will never happen again, A, because somebody's ass got fired. <laughs> That's number one. <laughs> somebody's, somebody's head definitely rolled at SCE for that shit. That's number one. Number two, conveniently enough, when little, when little hiccups happen in the PlayStation Network, what's always on the horizon? A firmware update. Yeah. And the next firmware update is this summer, which will allow the 3D gaming and TV capabilities to be fully realized. Odds are that for the fatty systems, there will be a little fix hidden in there to prevent that from happening March 1st, 2011. Yeah. You know that. You know that's how it's going to go. Sony's all about, we fucked up, you're fired. Microsoft's all about, we have an outage, suck it up. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, scapegoat. Pretty much. And, like, you know, like, as I was, like, you know, reading through everyone's, like, you know, small experiences, you know, from former forum, you know, a gamer site to gamer site, you know, every every once in a while I, I would notice, like, a couple of people that would leave comments that would say, like, I don't use PSN, but I do have the issue, you know. Yeah, there's so a couple it, of people it, it, I heard that, too. Yeah, so, like, how do they even, like, even get the updates if they can't even go online, which doesn't make any sense because they're online on the forums. They're apparently, you know, making a post. I don't know. Well, you know what it is. Some people, some people just have a different, um, a different look when it comes to gaming. Like there are just some people that aren't about the online gaming. They're just about a console that plays their Blu-rays and plays their games. Maybe they'll they'll jack in. You know, they'll throw in a wire to update, update some firmware, you know, for Blu-ray connectivity or whatever, but they don't, and there's people that are like that. They're just unplugged from the overall, you know, there's, I, I know I, probably five people at least that don't use any kind of online functionality on the PS3 other than firmware updates. They don't give a shit about anything else. They don't even buy shit on the store. They're like, oh, I have a Blu-ray player, and I buy some games. I'm like, yeah, but what about all this extra shit? What, what do I need all that for? To some people, it's just that, a cheap Blu-ray player that plays games. That's ridiculous, because, you know, thankfully, like, you know, the PSN is back up, and weirdly, after 24 hours, after Sony said, it'll be fixed in 24 hours, it just magically became okay. I was able to download the General Knox downloadable downloadable content for uh, Orderlands. And playing that, you know, reading reviews, it says it's eight hours. You're spending ten bucks for eight hours. That's like a ten dollar game. Yep. Brand new. 
You know, there's I definitely mean, more value for that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what it is. It, it, Sony knows how to do it in terms of trying to maximize their value. I do, I do have certain gripes with their nickel and diming that they like to do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's like, like if you go to the PSN store and you know when you're in home and you and you want to buy your avatar a shirt, it's like fifty cents, fifty cents. Before you know it, you've spent ten dollars on just shirts and pants and shoes for an avatar that doesn't even remotely look like you. Yeah. My fucking avatar looks like Ti. You know. Dude, no <laughs> it, one it, understands it, the sliders. It, it's it's it, a guy given tag. No one understands the 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 what you call it, the avatar customization sliders. I do. Dude, I've tried, you. man. I've tried, man. I've tried to figure it out. I'm like. I'm like, still doesn't look like me. Still doesn't look like me. Nope, not happening. It's unfortunate, but, you know, it's like like I just said. The, the PSN thing went under the radar for a little bit, but it's bound to come up again. And I'm more than sure it's going to be mentioned at E3, and they're going to be like, well, before we introduce the firmware, we're going to let you know that there will never be some. You know, there, there's going to be a disclaimer or some kind of a promise. That's how it works. That's Sony. That's how it is. Yeah, they know how to they know how to handle their stuff. Yeah, man, they know how to spin doctor it. Anything else, my friend? No, that's it. Just wanted to call and say, you know, show's great. Keep it up. Yeah, thanks for it, man. Uh, next week, Darksiders. Oh, they're coming back. Yes, sir. Oh, awesome. Wait, wait to not listen to the beginning of the show. <laughs> Sorry, like I just. Yeah, I was playing Mag earlier, and I had picture-in-picture on my TV, so I had, like, your show. I had the headset with Mag, or, you know, the headset with Mag, and I had people yelling in my ear. That's all right. We forgive you. Yeah, it's crazy. It's all right. We forgive you. But uh, next week, man, for sure, you definitely got to tune in for that, because I'm more than sure you're going to want to pick their brain, especially from a uh, developer standpoint. Oh, yeah, definitely, dude. All right, buddy. Thanks for your call. All right. Later. All right, let's talk about some box office numbers. Shutter Island came up out of nowhere this week and became number one. It uh, grossed $22.5 million. It's made $75 million total. Uh, the film had an $80 million budget. It's almost close to breaking even, probably by the third week. It should be. Cop Out came in number two, $18.5 million, had a budget of $30 million. Um, a lot of people shit on the movie, and they gave Kevin Smith a hard time. Um, it looks amusing, not something I'd go and drop, you know, 10 bucks for, but it does look amusing. The Crazies came in at number three with $16.5 million. The film had a $20 million budget, so I'm more than sure they will surpass that this week and be successful. Avatar was number four, still hanging on for dear life. It uh, almost at $2.5 billion worldwide right now. Percy Jackson and the Olympians fell to number five. Um, it made $71.2 million, kind of a bust because the budget was $95 million, and it's been out uh, three weekends already. Valentine's Day was number four. Dear John was – actually, Valentine's Day was number six, sorry. And Dear John fell to number seven. Um, it made $72.6 million. The film had a budget of $25 million, so obviously the movie's successful. Same rule applies to Valentine's Day, $100.3 million for a $52 million budget film, which is insane. Uh, the Wolfman 
made uh, 4.1 million in the number eight spot. It made 57.2. Um, the film had a 150 million dollar budget, and it's been out three weeks already. Oh boy, definitely a very huge climb for them. Uh, the Tooth Fairy was number nine, and Crazy Heart was number ten. Uh, moving on. Angelina Jolie recently dropped out of Wanted 2. She's going to be working on a new film called Gravity. Um, with her no longer being associated with the project, it's been rumored that Wanted 2 is officially off the, off the print. But in a recent interview with Mark Miller, he feels that Wanted 2 still has a chance at being made. He would introduce some new characters and that it would proceed without Angelina Jolie. Um, of course... Angelina Jolie's character, Fox, died at the end of Wanted 1. I have no idea how they were going to bring her back for 2, but it's not really necessary. You know, you really got to focus it on Wesley. And as long as that actor's coming back, fuck it. She don't want to come back? Make the second one and move on. I mean, she wasn't the basis for Wanted success. Wanted success came from the fact that the movie had really cool action. Um, of course, it captured a lot of the comic book fan base. And, and it was fine. It wasn't the greatest movie ever, but it wasn't totally shitty. And it wasn't totally like the book, but it, it was close. I mean, you know, definitely if you're going to do a second one and you're going to do it right, then by all means go for it. But if you need Angelina Jolie to make the movie good and, you know, she's not coming back, then let it be. Leave it the fuck alone. Don't, you know, don't take it that other route and ruin another franchise. And in relation to franchises, it seems that with the huge buzz surrounding Tron Legacy, Disney is already working on sequels for the film. Mind you, it hasn't even come out yet. They're saying that if Tron Legacy does well at the box office, it will be the first of a trilogy of films. They're hoping to turn it into the same type of thing that happened with Pirates of the Caribbean. On top of that, they're also going to be doing an animated TV series that's going to bridge the gap between the first two movies of the trilogy. That series and that show will be out uh, probably in late 2011 or early 2010. And Disney's also talking about a new Tron ride for Disneyland. So that's what's going on. With that being said, last week I uh, talked about The Fail that is a sequel to Zoolander. Yes. If you were not here last week to hear those wonderful news, know this. Zoolander 2 is being worked on, and Ben Stiller confirmed it. He said, yes, it's true, there are sequel plans. We're in the process of getting the script written. It's in the early stages, but it's going to happen. We've been trying for years to figure it out and put it all together, and um, it's going to happen. He went on to say the sequel, the idea that they have is going to take place 10 years later, and it's going to focus on Derek and Hansel and how they've been literally forgotten and how they have to reinvent themselves. He was asked if Will Farrell was going to be in the movie. He said if Will Farrell says yes... He definitely has to be a part of it. To me, Mugatu was one of the classic screen villains of all time, quote, unquote. Number one, I don't think I'm alone in thinking that Zoolander sucked. I honestly think Zoolander was shit. And it was mildly amusing. Mildly. Not amusing enough to warrant a sequel. Here's the thing with Ben Stiller, and, you know, I, I'm more than sure people love him and blah, blah, blah. Look, he's okay. He's not that funny. 
I watched Meet the Fuckers. I watched Meet the Fuckers 2. They sucked. Guess what? They're going to do a third one. Little Fuckers. I mean, Fuckers. You, you, get the, you, get the, you get the joke. Nonetheless, he's not that funny. In Tropic Thunder, he was good. And it was because he was surrounded by a good cast of people that and he can play off of. He can't carry a movie. All those other movies he did, Along Came Polly, A Heartbreak Kid, sucked. Anybody who thinks Ben Stiller is that great is insane. So for him to come out here and say, oh, I'm going to do a second Zoolander, and he thinks that people are going to give a shit, it's, it's like crickets chirping. That's what I hear when I hear Zoolander. Do I hear crickets and probably old people watching it on TBS? Because that's what it is. That's a TBS movie. That's what... Uh, I can't. I can't even go into it. But let's move on because you know what? In addition to that, remember the 1981 movie Arthur with the late Dudley Moore who was a drunken playboy? Yeah, that movie. That movie was... Uh, Something I watched a lot in my childhood, because it was always on. It was always on Channel 11, usually on a Sunday. And um, it was funny. You know, Dudley Moore was a funny dude. But guess what happens? They're going to do a remake of Arthur. Russell Brand will be playing Arthur. He will be playing the, ro the, the role made famous by Dudley Moore. Uh, the guy who wrote Borat wrote the script specifically for Russell Brand to play Arthur. I have nothing to say. Nothing. Actually, I do. Why would you remake a movie that, while it was funny in 1981, it's not that funny? Russell Brand, it, I can't even say he sucks. Because saying he sucks is, is giving suckitude credit. Russell Brand is abysmal. He is a black hole of unfunny. He sucks comedy out of everything. Every time he hosted the MTV Music Awards, not funny. What, because he made fun of the Jonas Brothers for wearing their little promise rings? Ooh, I'm so risque. Ooh, blah, blah, blah. No. You're just a fucking British dude with tight-ass pants and a need for a fucking haircut. You're not funny. Never have been. I tried. I tried to look past his little weirdness, you know, his little fucking emo tight-ass pants. And I said to myself, he can be funny. Ricky Gervais is funny. He's not super funny, but he's funny. A lot of these English dudes are really good. Not this guy. Not this fucking English Howard Stern clone. Not him, no. Not funny. And the fact that they're going to take a movie like Arthur, which only the, a very few of us 80s babies know about, it's going to suck. Top to bottom. So, yeah, get ready for more disappointment. Of course, it wouldn't be a movie segment without a little bit of Transformers talk. Uh, Sci-Fi Wire recently spoke to the industrial light and magic Scott Benza and Scott Farrar, who said that Optimus Prime and Bumblebee will be seeing some changes in the next Transformers film. Um, Bumblebee in particular, he said that he's going to add a little subtle change to his physique, quote-unquote, 
just to focus on the fact that he's matured and he's become more of a soldier. In regards to Optimus Prime, he said Optimus Prime will have tiny little things that the average viewer isn't going to notice, but fanboys will. You actually will run into pieces that are maybe always in the way, and wouldn't it be nice if the part wasn't there? Maybe you'll make a shift in the shoulder or in the chest so that it could be more proportional. Um, they're also talk they talked a little bit about the script and the fact that they're working with ILM to do 2D and 3D models and the conversion process that will go into turning Transformers 3 from a 2D project into a 3D one. Um, they said that there will be new robots that are going to be there. There's going to be a lot of new characters that will debut. The fact of the matter is, um, the I don't mind redesigns. I mean, I wasn't one of those people that complained about Optimus Prime having flames and Bumblebee being not a, a fucking beetle. I didn't complain about all that shit. And mind you, I'm a fan. I grew up watching this shit. You have to take into consideration, the movie takes place now, in modern times. When you look at, at, at semis on the highway, there's a lot of truckers that they put designs on their shit. I've seen trucks with flames, naked chicks, demons, uh, poker cards, the, the works. I've seen a lot of rigs kitted out with stuff. So they, they, they added a little bit of, of modern, modernization to Optimus Prime. It's no fucking big deal. And if they make a couple of more changes, who gives a shit? Oh, my God, Optimus Prime has lips. Really? Really? That's what you sit home and do? Complain that Optimus Prime, a fucking robot, has lips. It, it boggles my mind. If I'm going to complain about something is, you know, robot heaven, <laughs> I'll complain about that. You know, I'll complain about all the Transformers that are Decepticons looking the same. I'll complain about that, but little design cues and little things that will improve the, the overall presentation of the character, not so bad. And I'm more than sure that the forums will be a flutter with, oh my god, they're going to change Bumblebee, and he's not going to look the same, and blah, blah, blah. And actually, um, Dark Helmet in the chat posted the best one. Optimus Prime is serious business. It is true. When you discuss Optimus Prime in a Transformers forum and you say, oh, I didn't think the flames were so bad. Oh, my God, how can you say that? You're a fucking fanboy. Blah, blah, blah. You're not a real fan. Yada, yada. Look, it's a fucking movie. Give it up. Nonetheless, um, I'm more than sure that this topic of conversation is going to get a call from Slick. As a matter of fact, he's on the phone. Let's see if this switchboard decides to work now. Slick, what do you got? Well, I'm gonna go back. Don't go, then. Don't, go don't go too insane, but uh. Well, this is this is all movie news. I'm starting from where you said I, I must be insane. But first and foremost, while I'm not saying there should be a Zoolander sequel, okay, that was a funny fucking movie. You're out that was of your a funny fucking, fucking movie because it was fucking retarded. Name one other movie yeah. where the the final fight has two people breakdance fighting. Yeah, but you know what it is? That's the shock value. It's like let's do something totally random to make people laugh. Let me tell you, random comedy is only funny once. Once you've seen the shit, not funny. 
Yeah, I'm I, saying it doesn't I, need to be a sequel. But you said the first one wasn't funny, and that's where you're nuts. I didn't Did find it been? funny at all. I mean, I mean, Will Ferrell was funny, but that's because Will Ferrell can be screaming at a fucking light post, and it's funny. You know, Will, Fer- Will Ferrell makes movies funny because Will Ferrell is just, I'm going to yell at shit. That's his character. You know what Ben Stiller's character is? I'm going to pretend to be serious while being funny. That's his character. You know what Owen Wilson's character is? Look at my shitty nose. That's what I'm funny for. My nose that looks like somebody moved in your flying knees. That's what I'm funny for. For you to sit here, I can understand it. You're entitled to your opinion. You, you are. You're entitled to t- tell me Zoolander was funny. My take? Zoolander was a steaming pile of shit. I've taken shits funnier than that movie. My cat farting on my bed is funnier than that movie. Period. You want to know what was funny? Casualties of War was funnier than Zoolander, and it's not even a comedy. All right? You, you, I, I understand you like the shit, and you know what? You're into that niche comedy because you get the funny lines, and, and you use them, and, and that's good, you know, like Step Brothers. Step Brothers is in that same role, but you know what? It wasn't piss-poor funny. It was memorable line funny, boats and hoes funny, Catalina fucking wine mixer pow-pow funny. That kind of funny it was, all right? That I understand. Zoolander is just a poor, misguided attempt at throwing shit at a wall, watching it stick, and hoping people point and laugh. Like, you watched it. You went, ha, 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 that's funny. And you pointed at the fucking screen. That's fine. No harm in that. But to sit here and tell me, yo, that's so funny, son. Watch your goddamn mind. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight's Brown Rage segment was provided to you by Slick. Thank you very That's much. Real, dude. I mean, I understand, and, and, you know, like I said, you're, you're entitled to it. You know, you're entitled to say, hey, it was funny. And that's great. It was, dude. But for, for you to try to sell me on it, you out your fucking mind. Well, I definitely wish you that this shouldn't be a sequel. And as far as Arthur... I don't want to see a hairy British man in a bubble bath, drunk off of champagne, laughing his ass off ever again. There you go. Honestly. I didn't want to see it in one. I didn't want to see it in Arthur 2 on the rocks. And I actually like the first Arthur. That's what I was going to say. Arthur, you had Arthur, you had Arthur 2. Arthur, as a standalone movie, was funny. Dudley Moore, comedic genius. He was was in a different category in regards to his humor. But he knew how to do it. He knew how to do it right. And, you know, Russell Brand is, uh, Russell Brand is, I, I equate him to Zoolander. He's, he's, he's non-funny. He is a vortex of non-funny. And, you know, I invite somebody to tell me, hey, check out this stand-up he did. Or, hey, he was on this show. Check it out. He was really funny. And I'm open to checking it out. But in terms of him being involved in American comedy, not funny. Zero. Forgetting Sarah Marshall, not funny. Him walking around, oh, my pants are so tight. Oh, the Jonas Brothers are virgins. Oh, look at my hair. Oh, look, I fuck Katy Perry. Oh, my God. No one gives a fuck about you, dude. You English prick, you're not funny. You're not. 
And for him to go and do Arthur, a movie that was fucking legendary in terms of old 80s comedies, right up there with fucking Porky's. Come on, man. You know, you talk about, you know, National Lampoon's Vacation. You talk about Who's Harry Crumb. You talk about Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. You talk about movies like that that are grouped, that Arthur is grouped in, that are comedic geniuses, shit that's legit. And you're going to desecrate the memory of a guy that was funny like fucking Dudley Moore by redoing his movie with your piss-poor acting and your staunchy, stupid British accent? Fucking sucks, dude. Leave it the fuck alone. Make a movie about fucking hamsters. I also want to see two ugly-ass people fall in love again because Dudley Moore and Liza Minnelli, that's like, that's borderline a horror movie. The thought of them getting naked together. Exactly, but that's but that's what sold back then because back then it was all about funny. It was all about risque. You know, Beverly Hills Cop. You go back to that. You go to back to any Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder movie, and you you realize the comedic genius that was there. It wasn't writers churning out shit. It was writers taking their time and and looking at the comedy and letting the actors dictate the pace and working on their strengths. Even Tom Hanks, who you know. Tom Hanks was awesome back in the 80s. You had Big, you had fucking Bachelor Party. You know, those were great films, and they, they capitalized on his strengths. But that because, that's because there were guys like John Hughes, Ivan Reitman, guys that were out there putting out comedy. Now everybody that makes a fucking commercial is a director. It, it, it's bullshit. The guy who, who's, who's helping to write this is the guy that writes Modern Family. Really? The guy that wrote Bruno and Borat all of a sudden thinks that he can make movies and he's gonna, he wrote the movie specifically for Russell Brand, which is the worst part. He, pro- he sat there and he said, you know, like he probably thought of it while he was taking a shit because that's the only time I think of Russell Brand when I'm taking a shit. And he must have said to himself, you know, an Arthur remake would be really good and I think Russell Brand should do it. Oh, my God. You know? Come on, man. Really? Well, well with that said, let's move on. Go ahead. Because you got another caller. I got to screen another caller. No, I'm not going to give you any rage of Transformers. The only thing I'm going to say is as far as doing changes to Optimus Prime, Unless you're going to do a little comedic bit about where the fuck does the trailer go when he transforms and have Roller in the movie, I don't give a fuck. You know, that, that's a good assessment. And you know what? I'll, 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 actually, I'll actually entertain that. <laughs> I'll actually entertain that, and I'll tell you what's funny about that. If you've noticed in the, new mo- in the Transformer movies, he, he doesn't have, have a trailer. But you know what it is? That adds to the, you, you know, don't get me wrong. There's no realism in giant 80-foot robots fighting in the middle of Los Angeles. But they kept the realism in check in the sense that they were like, where are we going to put this giant-ass trailer? Is it going to turn into a shield? Is it going to turn into a shield? Does Bumblebee hide in it? You know, like, what are, what are we doing? And, and you know what? I admire that. And, and don't get me wrong. There's people that are going to complain about different facets of Transformers, whether, you know, the fights look like you went like you as a kid clunking your toys together, and that's fine. I understand that. 
but there are little things that I can appreciate. I appreciate the modernization of the characters. I appreciate the fact that they took the opportunity and they said, all right, if Optimus Prime is the leader, he needs to be the biggest truck. You know, and, and don't get me wrong. Yeah, people complain, oh, you know, Bumblebee's not a beetle. You know, but you've got to think about it. If you're a teenager, and in, in this case, if you're, if you're Shia and you're trying to bag Megan Fox, you're not going to bag Megan Fox in a fucking Volkswagen, dude. You're going to bag Megan Fox in a Camaro or in a Mustang or in something that shows, hey, I've got a set of balls that I can pee standing up. Not in a fucking Volkswagen. You know, people automatically found, found issue. Oh, why is he not a Beetle? Because it's a fucking giant commercial. Transformers is a giant hour and 90 minute or two hour commercial for GM. Get the fuck over it. Be glad that one thing I never got, though. And again, I'm not going to rage because it would just be funny. Michael Bay is all about blowing shit up and having shit just destroyed. Right. He should have had fucking Optimus Prize trailer. And every fucking time he transforms, don't have him stop. I'm doing about 50 or 60. Just fucking transform and let that trailer slam into something. Slam into something, tear them apart, and blow shit up. Well, you know what? That would have been cool. It would have been cool, and and it would have been awesome, but you know what? Then you would have started to think of, where does he get these trailers from? I'm more (laughs) you know, like, like, does he keep them in his pocket? Do they get fucking dropped in from the sky? Like, like, you know, now, now here's something that would be cool. When Optimus Prime is driving on the highway and he grabs a trailer, you know, from a truck stop and, you know, Bumblebee will hide in there incognito, you know, or you can put, you know, um, what's it, the motorcycles in there. You know, like, like there's some, there you can apply the realism. The whole necessity for the trailer, dude, you know, that was great when you were a kid because they just wanted something to shill. Oh, yeah, the trailer has a little dude in it, you know. That shit doesn't work in the movies, man. I could give two shits about the trailer. <laughs> the best shit was again. This is something they could have just taken from the original show. One of the first times Optimus Prime transformed, that shit opened up, and you had Roller come out, and you had the, the little gun turret on the top. Megatron shot that shit, and it was gone. Exactly. I mean, you know, I, I, there's no there's no applicable necessity for it. So I admire the realism. You know, it's like I said, it's like there's certain things people have to get past, and in order. To be a true fan, you have to respect some of the logistics in making a movie good. And, I mean, yeah, Transformers, people are going to say, yeah, it sucks, blah, blah, blah. But in terms of making it kind of modern, you've got to make the cars look cool, man. You have to. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you on that. I just, I mean, he threw it, stupid shit in dude, here. You're like, not making funny stupid shit. Dude, you're not getting laid by Megan Fox if you're the lead if you pull up in the yellow V-dub. Not happening. No, you get laid by Megan no. Fox pulling up in Al Bundy's car. Let's be no, real. But, no, but I mean, you know, I'm just talking about it from the logistics of a high school kid trying to pick up a chick like Megan Fox. You pull up, she's walking, you're like, hey, do you need a ride? And you pull up in a Mustang, like, and you pull up and everybody's like, okay. And then you pull up in a me, me. Where are you going? Me, me. You need a ride home? No, no, pedo. Come on, man. All right. Enough of that. Let's move on. You got anything else, my friend? No, I got a caller coming in. I got to see what he wants. All right, sir. Thanks for the call.
you see, I admire I admire where Slick was coming from, and you know, I, uh, his contributions to the show are great, and and he he makes valid points, and and he does add good sight gags. But in terms of certain movies, we we will never agree, and he knows this, which is great. But he also knows that by him bringing it out, it elicits a great reaction from me, which of course equals great radio for for the fans and for that. You know, I applaud you. Um, in referencing, to, to wrap up this little bit of Transformers, the fact of the matter is that design cues, I always welcome them if they're going to add functionality to the character and make the character look better. Or it's like a good example is during the Batman movies, they were trying to find a way to make the costume more feasible for head movement because every guy who played Batman complained about the fact that you couldn't turn your head. You know, so if you watch any of the uh, Michael Keaton Batman movies, you'll notice that he had to turn his whole body to face left or right. Or, you know, he had to, there was never head turning. Like, if you wanted to beat Batman in the first two movies, just stand behind him and repeatedly tap him on the shoulder. He wouldn't even know where you are because he'd have to turn all the way around. It's, it's ridiculous. It's unfortunate, but... You know, I have to give credit where credit is due, and I like, you know, movie making is an art. And like anything else, you start seeing little holes in your defense and ways to improve on your art. And I'm, I'm perfectly at ease with that happening, with, with design cues and improvements being made. It happens. With that being said, let's move on, because we've got a couple of uh, other funny news stories to discuss. Uh, Deadline Hollywood recently reported that Tim Burton and Timor Beck the, the guy from Wanted, because he has a really long Russian name, have signed on to produce the following movie. And you guys are going to love this. Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. That's right. Before I take the next call, um, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter is a book by Seth Graham Smith. Um, he wrote uh, Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies, which is also being turned into a movie by Lionsgate. Uh, and that's going to star Natalie Portman. Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, here's the synopsis, tells the story of Lincoln's mother being killed by a supernatural creature, which then fuels Lincoln's passion to slaying vampires and their slave-owning helpers. Lincoln is being described as an axe-throwing, highly trained vampire killer. So yeah, Abe Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. I want to see that just for the fact that it's something different. Possibly the most original thing I've read on this broadcast in a long time. Abe Lincoln killing vampires? Shit. I want to see that. That's for sure. And I believe there's also a trailer that was made for the release of the book, which you can pick up that's already out in bookstores today. I'll put up that trailer in the show notes for this week. Let's take another call. If the switchboard decides to work. Caller, you're on the air. Hello, hello. Are you talking to me? Yes, sir. I am. Hello, Rich. This is this is Arthur Bart calling. I heard you talking about my movies from the early eighties, and I figured I'd call in and talk to you about because they're trying to recast us, and they've got some bl- who's it doesn't even look like me. I could, I mean, could you imagine me in tight pants and with my hair all sticking out? <laughs> <laughs> That's too much. It's Benjamin. Benjamin, get in the car, man. <laughs> That's Hollywood. Okay, so anyway, do you know Bidham and my brother, my butler? Yes, he comes, he comes from a very small island. So small, in fact, Rhode Island could kick its ass in a war. 
<laughs> That's really good. That is so really that, good. Thank you very much. It's very hard to breathe in this coffin, but, you know, they put a little bit of air holes in here. We've got a, bit, a little bit of vodka, so we're all right. Yeah. That's really good, man. Don't, don't forget to put the vodka in the car, please. Put it, yes, yes, with the glasses and the ladies. And, okay, okay. <laughs> thank you. You all right you. there, Anderson? Quick, quick, clap, quick, clap, 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 thank you, thank you. Yes, that no, was, I'm doing That was, that was fantastic, dude. That thank was, you. That was fantastic, man. Uh, I've, been, I've been waiting years to bust out some uh, Dudley Moore. Nobody ever brings him up anymore, so. Dude, dude, that is gold. <laughs> that was beautiful. Shit, I stopped the show just to say that that, that was, <laughs> that was on fire, dude. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. There's much. Hey, you know, start talking about Christopher Walken. I'll talk like him too. I mean, it's all kinds of stuff, dude, you know. Dude, that was great. But honestly, especially especially as great of a job as you just did doing that voice, you got to ask yourself, you know, how do you feel watching a movie like that? That's so, you know, that that's iconic for 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 the '80s. Just just right. being shit canned into this this new thing. No, I'm not. Uh, no, I'm not going to watch it. There's no, you know, and this is, this is, I mean, I've, said, I've been on your show a handful of times, and I've said the same thing over and over again. I can't, I, I have no desire to go see movies nowadays, because it's just the same shit. And it's, and if it's not, if it's not the same storylines, it's the same fucking movies. You know, I mean, really, Stretch Armstrong? Do we need a Stretch Armstrong movie? Oh, I yeah, mean, it, it, it's going to get better, trust me. Wait, wait, wait till the, the rest of the show. You're going to be done. By the time I'm finished. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm kind of. I gotta tell you that now. I tell you this though, Abe Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, dude. <laughs> right, right. What happens if the vampire is uh, black? Does he just let him go? I don't know, dude. We're gonna does find quote, out. Does he quote unquote free them? Never mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're gonna find out. I tell you this though, you know, you, you, you know, uh, Baird, Brian Baird is gonna be all over that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, he's gonna. Abe Lincoln and go to the movie. He'll, he'll try right. an Abe Lincoln zombie or vampire. He'll, he'll be he like, will. no, he's a vampire killer. And he'll be like, I don't care. I don't care if I'm impaired. That's it, dude. So, yeah. But anyways, I just wanted to, I just wanted to call in and give you a little bit of Arthur. I figured since you guys were talking it and it's just a bunch of, it's a load of crap anyways. And I believe that's what Arthur would have said. He would have said, you know, Russell Brand, go fuck yourself. So That's right. Nice, Anderson, man. Thanks for that. You made my night, and you you made the show with that call, dude. I appreciate it. Not a problem. Hey, Tum- Thumbs in with Tumbleweed, Tuesdays <laughs> at 10 p.m. on the Blog Talk Radio Network, folks, to catch more of this awesome work from yours truly, Don Anderson. Give it up. I appreciate it Thanks very a lot, much. Brother. Much love. You take it easy. All right, brother. Peace. Peace. That, my friends, is why you should tune into Tumbling with Tumbleweed. You see that? It's it's ridiculous, but um, it gets better. It does get better, and here's here's the best one. The L.A. Times reported that Warner Brothers, you know, because they're on a they're on a roll, is currently negotiating with the Japanese studio Taito to buy the rights for the video game Space Invaders. Yeah, the guys who worked on Save It Private Ryan and The Day After Tomorrow and Paranormal Activity will be doing a movie based on Space Invaders. Space Invaders is the latest retro video game fad that has hit Hollywood, as they are also considering doing movies based on Missile Command, Asteroids, and possibly Pac-Man. See that? It, you go through 
Abe Lincoln Vampire Hunter, which is just a fantastic concept, and then Space Invaders. Awful. Just just awful. But it gets better because it seems Warner Brothers just on a on a on a on a on a caval wants to dispense a cavalcade of shit. And here's another one. According to Variety, Warner Brothers is working with Atlas Entertainment to develop a movie based on Gilligan's Island. Yep. Gilligan's Island, folks. Uh, Brad Copeland is writing the screenplay while the original producer of the TV show, Sherwood Schwartz, is on board to executive produce along with his son Lloyd. The plan is to do a contemporary take on the story, and they hope for production to start next year. Why? Who gives a shit about Gilligan's Island? Who? Who? It, it, it's it's appalling. It really is. And and um, I looked at I just noticed on the switchboard. Dave from Denver is listening. Hey, Dave. Um, I know the show's a little bit uh, risque for you this evening. I hope you are enjoying it. And as usual, thanks for the support. Because I did notice him in the uh, in the switchboard. Moving on. Uh, for those of you that are looking forward to Iron Man 2, right after the Academy Awards on Sunday, you can tune in to Jimmy Kimmel Live, and Robert Downey Jr. will be on hand to debut the new trailer for Iron Man 2. Uh, the show's scheduled to air on the East Coast at 12.05, and for the West Coasters, you can catch that at 11.35 p.m., so you can definitely see that trailer live that night, or if not, just tune into My Take Radio either later on that Sunday or at some time Monday, and I'll have it on there as well. According to Deadline Hollywood, Neil Patrick Harris has been cast as the lead for the Smurfs movie. But Neil Patrick Harris will not be a Smurf. Instead, he'll be a lead human character appearing alongside the CGI Smurfs. Filming will begin in April during Neil Patrick Harris's break from How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. Moving on. Disney, of course, it was only a matter of time, has decided, all right, let's start milking the Marvel franchise now that we own it. As such, they will be launching a new animated series, The Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, during the 2010-2011 season on Disney XD. Here's a description of what you can look forward to. The Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, further aligning the strength of Marvel's hugely popular characters and stories with the burgeoning Disney XD brand, and its new all-animated series. Earth's Mightiest Avengers, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, The Avengers, will debut in fall 2010, beginning with Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk, um, with reruns of Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk. Overall, the Avengers Assemble strategy is going to be taking place also in films with Iron Man 2, Thor, and Captain America, and building up to the Avengers release in 2012. Produced by Marvel Animation, the animated series features 52 episodes targeted at kids 9 to 14, or diehard comic book fans like most of us. Starring Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, The Incredible Hulk, Giant Man, Wasp, and Wasp who form the Avengers, a team assembled when no single hero's powers can save the world. A 20-part micro-series that focuses on each hero's backstory will roll out in the fall on Disney XD, immediately followed by the series premiere in the U.S. shortly thereafter. So they're going to do pretty much the equivalent of the movie in a cartoon. So based on that, you've already heard they're going to do an Ant-Man movie, and we know that Hank Pym is Ant-Man and Giant-Man. So there'll be a movie about that. Wasp is probably going to be involved in his movie, so pretty much that's who you're probably going to see in the Avengers flick. <laughs> 
So I'm, I, I really have no gripes about it because of the simple fact that if the cartoons are done good, fuck it, you know, go for it. But um, I noticed that Slick mentioned no Hawkeye. Who knows? There are rumors that Hawkeye is supposed to be appearing um, in the Iron Man movie as well as in Thor. So, you know, it's probably just a brief description to generate the buzz. And I'm more than sure there will be plenty of heroes that will pop up throughout the episodes. Who knows? Maybe you'll see Spider-Man in there as well. Uh, Warner Brothers announced today that the Green Lantern will be completely shot in 3D and released in 3D when it is filmed, when it completes filming in June. Uh, June 17, 2011 is going to be the date, and you can see Green Lantern come to life with Ryan Reynolds, Blake Lively, Peter Sarsgaard, Tim Robbins, and Mark Strong. It's going to be directed by Martin Campbell, who did GoldenEye. Last but not least, to close out the movie news, because you know I have to close it out with something awful, According to Variety, Warner Brothers, because of course, who else would it be, is looking to team with I Am Legend director Francis Lawrence to make a film based on the life of, get this, 13th century explorer Marco Polo. Really? Are, are, you, are you that tapped for ideas that you're going to make a movie about Marco Polo? Not, a, not, not anybody really cool, Marco Polo. I can't. I can't even. It's, it's ridiculous. Uh, the studio got the pitch from Adam Cooper and Bill Collage, who also wrote the script. The team has worked in this area before, as in 2008, Universal and Timor, I can't even say this Russian guy's name again, picked up their version of Moby Dick. And last fall, Fox bought their take on Moses. Pretty much this is what they had to say about the upcoming uh, Marco Polo project. We see this as something that takes place in the Orient of our imagination amid the cultural clash of the East and West. Why? Why would you do it? Why? Who cares? Really? I mean, look, we all complain about the lack of originality in Hollywood. I understand that. But when you want to be creative, be creative with something that's not utterly boring. Unless you make Marco Polo do fucking kung fu or travel through time or something, something cool. It's going to be another long, drawn-out epic like Master and Commander, and no one's going to give a shit about it. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. So I see Marco Polo just not doing good, honestly. I see it failing miserably. So, uh, Marco Polo, this is what you get. And that, my friends, is going to wrap up this week's show. Got to do a couple of plugs, of course. Uh, Shout out to GirlGamer.com, MMAValor.com, who will hopefully be joining us um, right after UFC 111, MMAHotStuff.com, MMASocialites.com, of course, Darksiders.com, they will be here next week, along with Hayden Dalton. You can check out his site, haydendalton.wordpress.com. Uh, Brooks Macbeth, you can look him up on MySpace, myspace.com slash brooksmacbeth. Or you can check out his YouTube channel, youtube.com, Brooks the Comedian. And you can see Brooks on TV. He is actually in the Burger King Tiny Hands commercial that's been getting airplay the last few weeks. Look for him there, and if you do see him, go on Facebook or MySpace and let him know that you saw him and uh, that you liked the commercial, at least, if you did. 
VGNRadio.com, of course. They will be joining us hopefully the 18th. Uh, hopefully they'll bring along Mr. Don Anderson from Tumbling with Tumbleweed. You can check him out, of course, on Blog Talk Radio, like I said before. Um, bead crafts and beautiful pixel art, you can get that from royaltresses.etsy.com. That's royaltresses, T-R-E-S-S-E-S dot E-T-S-Y dot com. Cleveland Sports Radio, of course, has to get a shout-out. Born Stubborn Radio for their kick-ass commercials. 411 Mania for their great coverage of wrestling, MMA, music, movies, and even politics. OCRemix.org for their, um, of course, their great appearance on MTR and also for the really cool bumper that uh, Larry made, so props to them. E10Clothing.com, MMAJunkie.com for providing great MMA news. FilmDrunk.com for just their refreshing take on movies. And with that, folks, that's going to wrap up my take radio for this week. It is episode number 33 for Thursday, March 4th, 2010. You can look me up on Facebook, on the fan page, of course. You can follow me on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter for the show as well, Twitter.com, Akuma25. That's my personal Twitter account. You can also follow the show feed at twitter.com slash mytakeradio. Of course, I'm on MySpace. You can look up mytakeradio on MySpace. And last but not least, if you have any comments, suggestions, or questions, by all means, email me, mtrhost, at gmail.com. That's it, folks. Thank you all for listening. Uh, Don Anderson, again, thank you for the fantastic Dudley Moore impersonation. It was kick-ass. And with that, folks, we're going to close out with this. See you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Peace.